So that was a little bit of my mindset when I got back into it, like, okay, I'm going to do things differently this, this go round. Mm -hmm. So I did that for some years and then I got my license and okay. I got my real estate license because I wanted to be able to help people directly as an underwriter. I was behind the scenes and, you know, it's a, of course, doing the approval process, but I didn't actually see people get their keys. So mm. that was the shift for me, why I decided to flip to the actual real estate side and get my license so I could be hand on with the actual people that were purchasing the homes. We are back. Another great episode of the Good Real Estate Show. Like I tell you all the time, we always have a treat for you. Uh, we got a treat from you all the way from Houston, Texas. We got a young lady who's well versed in this business from mortgage side as well as real estate side with over 20 years in the business. Let's give a warm welcome to Miss Liska Sims with Keller Williams Realty Southwest. How you doing? Good. How are you? Hello. Uh, well, one, thank you for being part of the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate awesome. it. You are welcome. So one thing about our show, before we go in and we learn about Miss Sims, are you, are you prefer Sims or Liska? What do you prefer? We want to make sure we say things right. Call me Liska. I mean, yeah. We like okay. family, so, you know. There we go. So, and I'm glad she says she like family because she done a great job working with some family member of mine by helping them buy a house in the surrounding areas of Houston. So thank you for that as well. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Uh, awesome. So Liska, let the people know who is Miss Liska Sims and uh, what made you say, I need to get my real estate license. Well, uh, so who is Liska Sims? I'm actually a Southern girl by way of California, if that makes sense. Um, mm. I was born in Texas, but my mom moved to San Diego when I was a kid. And then I moved back to Houston in 2001. And that's actually when I entered the business of the mortgage industry. I um, started at an entry level position, uh, just a data entry position and moved my way up from that to a closer processor. Um, then I got into the sales side of it, became a loan officer and account executive. I was in the market when it crashed um, in 2008. Um, I don't know how long, if anyone was around during that time. Um, I was with the first bank that actually failed, IndyMac Bank, and got out the business for a little while. And then I got back into it. Um, just, you know, I love what I do. I love helping people. I love helping people get into homes. So I got back into it and it was really my goal the reason why it was for people to have home ownership, especially people that look like us. So that was the mm. biggest reason as to why I got into the business, back into the business. I like, I like that. There's a lot of whys there. And I got to untap a lot of that, but you just open them, um, peel back them onions a little bit. You mentioned the 2008 crash, 2000, cause actually that's when I got, I got into the business right when that happened. Right. Um, 2008, 
the crash, you work for a bank. Walk, and we never had nobody on the show who actually was worked for an institution. Correction, we had one other person. But what I wanted you to do is I want you to dive in when on that initial date, right? Like, what, what was that like? So people can get an idea of what what, what was you what was you going through as far as in your mind exactly when that occurred. Okay, so I was uh, IndyMac Bank was the one, the first one to fail, and mm-hmm. it was anytime you're, you know, I've been in the business for a long time, so anytime there's a all of a sudden meeting that everybody needs to gather, you know something is getting ready to happen, and that's mm-hmm. what happened. It was just like a last 15 minutes. Okay, you get this email. We all need to get on a call. We're getting ready to, you know, have a meeting, and um, that's kind of what happened. They, you know, had us gathered us in together. And it was just like, okay, we're getting ready to have to let you go. This is before we knew that the bank was actually going to fail. So it wow. was a gonna let you go. You know, you got your, your severance packages based off of your time there. So they did pay us, but that was just it. You called in 15 minutes and that that's the end. And then after we were let go is when you started hearing that the bank actually failed. So mm. it was very traumatizing. You know, I'm... I was, uh, at that time, I was an account executive, so I was on the sales side, doing very well for myself, six-figure income, so my lifestyle, you know, was based off of that, and now it's like, okay, we no longer need your services, so it was really tough. Mm, right. So, considering that happened, again, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you and so many others, what was the thought process, okay, when I, when I start, my, I'm quite sure you connected with another mortgage company after that. What was that thought process with the next mortgage company? Okay, well, in case this happens again, I need to make sure I am okay with X. Well, actually, I got out of the business for about two years because what happened is um, when it crashed, everyone was letting people go. Like, it wasn't Mm. like, you know, there was other companies that were closing. So um, it was... It was very difficult. It was a very difficult two years because then it was trying to find something else to do. And we were almost like lepers, if you want to say, as far as finding another career. So I still stayed in financing. Um, I was in banking. And and then I just, again, I love what I love the business. So shifting back into it, I got out of the outside sales and I went onto the mortgage side as far as an underwriter. And that's kind of where I shifted to as far as being the commission only I went to having a salary so that was a little bit of my mindset when I got back into it like okay I'm going to do things differently this this go round mm-hmm. so I did that for some years and then I got my license and okay. I got my real estate license because I wanted to be able to help people directly as an underwriter I was behind the scenes and you know it's a of course doing the approval process but I didn't actually see people get their keys so that was the shift for me why I decided to flip to the actual real estate side and get my license so I could be hand on with the actual people that were purchasing the homes. Okay. Okay. Let me back it up a little bit. Underwriting. We I don't think we never had anybody on the show who tapped into the underwriting side. Everything literally is black and white in numbers, correct? Pretty much. And there's a little gray, but yes. It was a little gray. Gotcha. It was there. so in that underwriting world, and I just want the audience to get a good understanding of it, the loan officer, the mortgage broker, they do not make the final decision. It is the underwriter. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, the loan officer is just kind of gathering the information, having an overview based off of your credit and your income, 
and you know running it through an automated system but ultimately the underwriter is the one that's reviewing the income documentation everything and making the decision on if the loan is going to be approved or not so that's where the um, i have the advantage and what helps me with being an agent i'm able to help people before they even get all the way down the road and say okay this is what you need to do let me know how your income is like so that we can make sure that this is um properly structured so that you can get approved. And that's one of the advantages that I have as a real estate agent, because I have, I wore the hat of an underwriter. Correct. Well, well, let's talk about that. Give me two or three. I'm quite sure there's more two or three high priority things. You would tell a buyer, a new, a new buyer or an or seasoned buyer. These are the do's and don'ts when getting funded for your loan. Um, the first thing is making sure that you have stable employment. That's a big thing. You know, you have some people, especially when you're young and trying to purchase and a first time home buyer, you're kind of bouncing around with different jobs. You can have different jobs, but you just kind of want to stay in the same career. So that's the biggest thing. When you do get into the process of purchasing a home, do not buy anything new. Don't open new credit. Okay, I'm about to buy a house. Let me go furniture shopping and getting new credit cards and those type of things. Do not do that. Um, that's a big thing. And also make sure when you're putting money into your, you're not moving too much money around in your bank account um, okay. as far as making deposits, large deposits, depositing cash, and just doing a lot of transferring around the funds. So that would be my the, the three biggest things that I would tell people. Gotcha. Okay. And you, like you said, them, skill, them skills has transferred into you being a real estate agent now and helped you dramatically. Yes, absolutely. So what would you say to a, a buyer who says, uh, and I'm quite, well, let me back it up. Do you work with investors or is this, you got a particular segment of buyers, first time buyers, season, or just across the board? I work with everyone. I actually, uh, it's funny that you asked, I have a property that I'm getting ready to list that I'm going to be marketing to investors um, because it was an inherited property. It's an older property. So, but I do work with everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So you work with, I'm glad you answered that. Do you find it challenging? And again, a buyer could be first time buyer, seasoned investor. Do you find it a little bit more challenging working with segment, whether it be investor, season, or first-time home buyer, because we all know, and again, I'm in the business that some, some investors, you know, they don't want to deal. They want to steal, right? Sometimes they want to kind of utilize your time. Uh, and, and really the, the, the output you're getting from that is, uh, uh is, is minimum, right? Um, walk us through probably a scenario. If you had one where you had said buyer, that was just really just a little bit challenging. Um, I actually recently had a buyer and you hit it on the head with the investor, by the way, but, um, I recently had a buyer that was not honest upfront about their situation. So that's, that's kind of the, the challenging part where you have to establish trust with someone. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they don't always want to disclose all of the information up front, And then you kind of get into the deal, especially with their financing part and they're not being honest or having disclosed mm -hmm. or withholding information. So that happened um, recently where I had, they, they, you know, provided a pre-approval because I always require someone to give me a pre-approval before I start showing homes because I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste their time. So they had the pre-approval financing 
However, the way that it was pre-approved, they hadn't disclosed all the information to the to the lender. So it just kind of became really challenging. And then I had to step in and find another lender for them. So it really just kind of, but that was the biggest thing I, I find where people are not always honest upfront about their situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that just becomes a trust thing where they don't want to disclose all of their business. Are you looking to join a winning team? Join us as a broker and receive high-level training, mentorship, and an awesome commission structure. If you're interested, visit www.theheadleygroup.com or call us at 336-904-6212. We look forward to partnering with you. Do you think that was uh, partly the lender's fault as well by not requiring or doing their due diligence part of getting all the information before they issued that pre-approval or not? I, I do. I think it was both. I think the lender didn't dig in far enough. And then I also think that the client was just withholding the information because the lender didn't. But again, because I have that underwriter hat when I'm in, having conversations, because exactly. I have conversations, I'm like, this isn't sounding right. Mm, there's going to be a problem here. And mm. Then I was on top of the lender, like, hey, did you, or what's going on here? So again, I wear many hats because I have my underwriter hat on all the time. Nice, nice. We're going to segue a little bit, talk more or less heavy about the real estate agent side. A new agent getting into the business or a season one watching the show now. And without you getting too specific, it's up to you if you like. Uh, what is some of Liska's lead generating tactics or what would you suggest to to the viewers watching i need to get more business i'm I'm licensed now and where do i get leads from um the biggest source of leads is going to be your sphere honestly Mm -hmm. i mean that's really where i get majority of my leads from is people that i know they know i'm in the business and then i take care of them very well like really good and then they refer someone else and that's that's really it i mean of course you're going to do the door knocking and the cold calling which is tough and you know i you you have to do it you got to you know pave the hit the pavement but the biggest um source is going to be people that you know and you'd be surprised on how people don't even really realize or remember what you actually do. So you have to stay on top of mind within your sphere. Correct. 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 I agree with that. Sphere of influence is so important. You know, once, anytime we bring on new talent here, we definitely tell them, go through your call log, let everybody know if they're looking to buy, sell, and invest, you're the person that can help them out. Absolutely. I see the challenge with a lot of agents, brokers, where get in the business, get excited, ready to go. I've called my sphere of influence, but somehow I've always looked at it as like a plane descending. I had to get excited next on the plane descending momentum, the motivation starts to decrease. What could you suggest to keep that, keep that momentum high where you can continue to keep that business coming in or try to come in? Um, Make sure that you're always learning. I mean, you know, just kind of learning new things, um, taking as many classes as possible, you know, when, um, different companies are offering things. So that kind of keeps it for me personally, it keeps me motivated because I'm always learning. So in my learning and taking these courses or different things, then it's helping me stay motivated and stay on track. Um, especially if you are, it's tough when you're a dual career. I can only imagine, I think, but I'm a full-time agent. I'm not a dual career. So nice. just trying to find that balance if you are dual career, but the motivation will come when you're taking the classes and then you get that first deal and then just kind of running with that, making sure you're marketing that so that people see what you're doing and you're successful at it. So that's mm-hmm. personally what I do. 
No, I agree with that 100%. That one thing is you have to have the information. You got to know what you're talking about. Because you get out there, you start meeting these uh, uh, buyers or, or, or sellers. People pick up on, she don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> or he don't know what he's talking about after a while. Because I do think with the power of the internet, social media, how to buy a house, how to sell a house, it's all literally all over the place. But what are you going to do to make yourself stick out for them to say, I need to choose you? And you've, you've said that in terms of having the background mortgage side, underwriting side, so that definitely makes you a unicorn, so to speak. Um, you're working in the field and you run into a situation, and I'm trying to just paint a, paint a, paint a picture here. You run into a situation where you're showing a property and there's other agents, like in other words, hot new listing, everybody's out there Everybody wants to kind of, you know, you know, get this for their client. Your bias says to you, hey, listen, I know you can't make it. Let's say, say you got another point. I want to see it in 15 minutes, but you got other appointments lined up. Can you give me the lockbox code? Because I want to get out, I want to be in and out. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because this is, I hate to say it, but it's common practice in this field, right? Agents who are lazy, they don't want to go out there. They'll just give the code out. Let the audience know the results that can come from that or, or, or whatever your response is on that. That is definitely a no, no, like a major <laughs> exactly. no, no. Cause I mean, anything could happen with the uh, buyer, with the client going into a home. I mean, and, and it's illegal to do that. Let's just start there. It's illegal Correct. to do that. Only a, a mm -hmm. agent um, should actually be securing, opening someone's lockbox because that that's a ethical issue. So, um, I definitely would not do that. Um, if I, if I'm unable, I have partnerships. That's the other thing being in real estate, it's important to build relationships and partnerships to where I would reach out to another agent to see if they could actually help me out to get the client into the property. I would never give them the lockbox to, to be able exactly. to get into it. And the reason, like I said, I, I, I had to give that question out, even though I knew what the answer was, but I can say it, but they need to hear it from, you might have Houston and Houstonans or, 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 or people in the community may say, I need to hear it from Liska. This is exactly what not to do because so many agents do. Hey, here's the code. I ain't going out there. This don't tell me where you got it from, unfortunately. But Liska's right. not doing that. At um, all. Mm -hmm. At all. At all. We talked we offline, talk offline and you said right. you working on a, a, a buyer's workshop, buyer seminar. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So um, again, I am advocate for getting people in homes. I, If you can pay rent, then you can actually pay a mortgage. That's just the bottom line. And it's investing in something that you would have ownership in and have it as an asset. So I have another uh, partner, a lending partner. Again, I'm all about relationship building. Um, I have a lending partner and then I have a partner with um, a sales agent with Keller Wood, I mean, not Keller Williams, I'm sorry, with Perry Homes. So um, Perry Homes, the sales um, counselor there is allowing me to do a first time home buyer seminar in a model home there. Nice, and nice. within this, um, I also have a lender lending partner where she's going to come out and speak about the financing part, because that's the biggest part about being able to purchase a home, knowing where you are financially um, and what you qualify for. So we just had our first one on the past Saturday, but we're going to start doing this maybe every other month because it was such a mm -hmm. success where it was about 12 people showed up on a Saturday. We had mimosas and muffins and it was just breaking it down to where people could understand that it's not as 
hard or difficult as it to purchase a home as you think it is and just having right. the information and knowledge about it having the right people to guide you too that's when you come in absolutely rates definitely different market as it was six six seven eight months ago right absolutely said, no, i don't want to buy i don't i don't want to get into this uh, uh, uh multiple office situation too many ages i'm going to wait what would you say to a particular buyer now because the rates are much higher than it was then who's still on the fence about buying well i just had this conversation on saturday uh, my thing is you marry the house you date i mean and date the rate as far as that goes mm -hmm. you have to the the houses are not going down the prices are not going down they're only going to go up so from two years ago you waited because it was chaotic and you know you was tired of putting in multiple offers so you keep waiting for the interest rates to go down which they're never going to go down to what they were two years ago that was a historical low because of COVID. so it's again you marry the house and you date the rate is what i tell them you know i'm gonna you can always i like that marry the house and date the rate i mean marry the house and date the rate i like that yes what uh um so yeah and 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 we, we've had this discussion here uh with with, with clients and it's like man, man i should have i should have got something then but i didn't want to get a multiple office situation what is your take on people overpaid then right because that the house is probably worth 340 the fact that it had multiple offers you got caught up in the competition and you actually played 365 now, and if you do the same appraisal, the house is probably five dollars $10,000 less than what you paid for. What would you say to a buyer who says, who's thinking about selling for whatever reason? If they overpaid for the house that they purchased? They, they, correct. They overpaid for it, but mm -hmm. now it appraises now and the value is just a little bit more lower because they got caught up in that multiple offer emotions. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going 15 above. Um, I would advise them to, to hold on to the property um, as long as they possibly can, unless, you know, if it's a situation where some people have to to sell. Um, but my recommendation would be for them to hold on to the property because it, the value will eventually, it will increase. So that would be my recommendation. It wouldn't be just, again, I'm uh, ethical agents, you know, some will just want to get the sale and that's not how I operate. So it, it will be, you know, hold on to it. It's the value was going to increase. And even like when with multiple offer situations, because we saw that it was relatively new here in Houston, but we had a lot of people relocating from California and also mm -hmm. from the East Coast where this Houston market was so hot. They were coming in and, and doing that where they was because they were accustomed to that being the case in California or on the East Coast where they were paying more. Um, but I generally don't recommend that for my clients. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. What is it about Houston? Everybody in the world, boy, going to Houston. I guess because it's the middle of the country, or I have so many great things about it. I mean, it's people sometimes people say it's Atlanta, DC, but what is the great thing about Houston? To make well, Houston, say, I want to come out there and I want to connect with Liska. Um, Houston has always been a great place. I think what happened is uh, when everything shut down, Texas was still open which is where people started coming to Houston and actually seeing, oh, okay, well, it was kind of like this 
best kept secret. Um, okay. The housing market here is great. You can get a beautiful home at a price point that's more affordable than if you are on the East Coast or on the West Coast. Um, you have a lot of great eateries here, just, you know, good vibes and a lot of professional people. Again, people that look like us that are professionals mm -hmm. that are doing very well for themselves. So I think that's kind of people are kind of catching on to that with with H-Town because I always represent mm -hmm. Houston. Gotcha. And economy is just thriving, isn't it? Yes, it is thriving in Houston. So again, the, the economy, the housing market, you have the oil and gas industry in, in Houston um, that's thriving. Um, again, the restaurant business is thriving here and the market is really affordable. I mean, you can get a beautiful home here for three to $400,000 that if you're on the East Coast or the West Coast, it'll easily be seven to $800,000. Easy, easy, easy. Quick commercial break. If you're interested in a career in real estate or you're a seasoned vet, you might want to change. New environment. You don't like the atmosphere you're in. The Headley Group Realty could be there to assist you with your career. What do we offer? Great culture, great environment, leads, and an awesome commission structure. Let us be there to support your business. One thing, you got to be in the state of North Carolina. Let's get back to the show. Uh, let me ask you something here. Let's get, uh, I came up with this... Uh, when our last three or four guests, four guests, and you mentioned a lot about people that look like us. You being a real estate agent, experiencing the business on the, on the mortgage broker side, discrimination, you being a woman, have you experienced, picked up on it, vibes with the process with helping a seller, helping a buyer? And if you have, you haven't, kudos. But if you have, or some form of racism, if you have, what suggestions or advice would you give another woman or a man to how to deal with that? Oh, well, fortunately, I have not experienced it um, nice. directly. Okay. Um, okay. But, and I think a part of that is, the funny thing is, I don't know how the market is in North Carolina. Um, in Houston, mm -hmm. Women dominate the real estate business. It's so many nice, women nice. Uh, okay. realtors here that it's it's insane with the amount of it's okay. it's and it's a great thing. So you we don't have that issue. Um, but you know, again, I just tell people to be confident in who you are, be knowledgeable, mm -hmm. um, and this be a professional because you're going to come across people that don't like you for whatever reason. That's which makes absolutely no sense. But you just have your integrity and stay who you are. Exactly. Exactly. And I appreciate that response. And, and I, hopefully I didn't want that to be uncomfortable, but same time, I, I understand that it does exist, right? Uh, it exists in certain markets. Whereas though, but again, no excuse at all why you can't be great. If anything, use that as willpower to prepare you to where you need to go. But thank you for responding to that. Well, can I say one more thing, though? Go ahead. Because go ahead. Uh, in Houston and specifically, so I live in Missouri City, which is a, a suburb of Houston. It's in Fort Bend County. Fort Bend County is mm -hmm. one of the most diverse counties in the country. So you have mm -hmm. all types of ethnicities and cultures. Nice. I will say here, you do find where people only will allow their culture to represent them. So that mm -hmm. is, a, I won't say that it's discrimination, but... Correct. Correct. They just will only work with their kind. So that I did want to say that. Well, the thing is, they feel, and people, you know, they say no like and trust. And I always I add they who they feel comfortable with. Right. 
It's like, hey, listen, this is who I see. You know, we might speak the same language, same culturally. I prefer to go that route. Like you said, it's not a discrimination thing. Who I feel comfortable with. Absolutely. Um, Firm-wise, you, and again, I'm not necessarily plugging the firm you're at, but I'm a firm, I'm a big proponent of education. You know better, you do better. When you got licensed, ready, happy to go, yes, I'm ready to interview with all these companies because everybody wants me. Everybody send me stuff in mail, send me emails. I am ready. I feel pumped up. Um, what made you say, I'm going to go with this firm here? And was you did you interview with other firms? Um, so the firm that I, I'm and I'm with, um, Keller Williams Realty Southwest, mm-hmm. I decided mm-hmm. to go with them for two reasons. Um, first, uh, they have a reputation for uh, having the best training. Um, mm-hmm. And it is very true. Secondly, um, I a friend of mine gave me a contact and was like, hey, you can speak to this guy. He's really helpful. He's with Keller Williams. So when I spoke to him, um, we spoke for like 30 minutes and he gave me all of these nuggets and these gems and it was just mm. so much information. And mm. that was a big reason as to why I ended up going with Keller Williams. And then one of the recruiter had called and I met with her and they both, again, looked like me. They mm. were very instrumental in me making the decision. And it was the best decision that I had made because this gentleman has taken me under his wing. I've like, we've established a great relationship and he poured into me. And he did that because he said that um, he liked to help people that look like us. So that was a big nice. reason as to why I went there. They have great training. So it's if the, the information is there, if you want it, it's up to you. It's available to you. And that's why I always tell agents, especially new agents, to make sure that you're taking these classes and learning as much as you possibly can. And you can right. always learn. You, you, I've been in the business for over 20 years and I'm still learning because it changes mm. all the time. So you have to stay afloat up to what's going on. Well, you said so many, again, we talked about, um, we're going to talk about the golden nuggets. See how you said this a lot that <laughs> just, just now? You said a whole bunch. Um, yes, having the information education is so impactful. The reason why I can ask you that question is because I, I would tell people, whether you come, if I sit down and I bring on new talent or you go down the street, you just make sure that they're always giving you value, not a sales pitch but they're giving you value and they're sustaining that. And you're holding them accountable of you said on X day, when we interview, this is what it's going to be. Now, is it, is it the same thing once I came on board? Now, the flip side of that, which you alluded to about, you said, tell agents to get the education. What responsibility do you hold? Right. As, as the agent, I can't force you to come to these classes. I can't force you to read the books. I can't force you to take the courses. I can't force you to X, Y, and Z to make you better. So that's why I want. That's why I wanted to get your spin on. Did you interview anybody else? But you said, "Nah, this was it." You know, you talked to one person, talked to another, and you decided to to go that route. Um, yeah, um, and I'm, I'm happily recruited. I, I mean, I companies calling all the time, which is flattering. All the time. Yes, um, exactly, they see my, exactly. you know, they see what I'm doing, and they see my numbers, and so they're reaching Correct. out often, which is flattering. But I'm not one to bounce around. And again, like you, you hit the nail on the head. It's the value, and the broker that I'm with is giving value. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's like so many companies, and, and I get it. You know, it's you want you always want to look for talent, right? Because everybody's independent contractor. But you just want to make sure 
broke ages watching this watching this uh podcast now is that you're just not a number right that, that's the biggest thing you're not a number because when you're just a number you get treated as such give me the same fairness as if i was the number one two three fourth top broke in the company give me the same fairness because i could be that two or three years from now and just don't neglect me and i've seen that play out before that's why i'm touching on it let's go you see that now now we, we had 30 minutes in you, you, you see how good you did you see how we flowing good conversation yes yeah, great conversation. Uh, wonderful uh is there something a question that i didn't ask you that you would love to answer um nothing i can think of you your questions were excellent and then you just allowed me to talk and flow so i nothing that i can think of mm-hmm so, so let's get his name. Like I told you a second ago is that we ask every guest to go book, scripture, quote. And like I said, you gave us some good ones a few minutes ago. Go ahead and go hit us with it. Okay. The one, one of the things is the one thing it's actually a book, um, by, um, I can't even think of his name now. I just had a brain. Gary Keller. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. Um, and that is important to, to, because especially when you get into the business, it can be overwhelming and you're trying to figure out everything and do different things. Okay, how can I generate business? And you kind of want to dig in and focus on one thing and perfect that to go to the next thing. So I will say that. And again, just make sure you're always learning, be learning based so that you know what's going on and that will help you be confident when you're talking to people because you're going to always be talking about real estate. And then the final thing is just be the go-to person not just real estate, but you can be the connect for everything about relationships. And I am a relationship builder. So those will be the nuggets that I would give. I like, I like that. What you said, the, the, the one thing, which is a fabulous book. Um, so I think with the power of this here, this foam here, it's easy for us to get distracted, right? You know, we want to do this, you want to do this, you know, we, and there's nothing wrong with doing multiple things, but get that one down pack then leverage that after you've made or, or accomplished so much, then you can do other things. But it's, I think we spread ourselves so thin and ultimately we get nothing done. Right. right. Um, Ms. Leska, kudos for you for um, coming on the Heavy Good Real Estate Show. We want to thank you. And again, you know, you've dropped some wonderful jewels on us, right? Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Let me tell you something. You're going to be an alumni, right? Because now that you will be official alumni, we're going to see you on part two real soon okay sounds good so look gang we want to thank you all for watching the headley group real estate show and again thank you for always supporting us we'll see you all soon take care hey gang i hope you really enjoyed that show our guests provide us some great tips and insight and please support them on all social media platforms and why i'm saying that support us on all social media platforms and don't forget watch the entire video on youtube we'll see you next time